1: Live from our nation's capital.
0: This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think
2: it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding.
1: Bloomberg Sound off. The insiders, the influencers, the insights.
3: I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA.
4: The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018.
1: President Trump was sent here to smash conventional norms. In a sense, Bernie Sanders has already won. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2
2: No witnesses but still no end in sight That's the lead tonight folks the Republicans have successfully been able to block the introduction of new evidence and witnesses in the impeachment trial That said it's likely going to have this trial not have an acquittal vote until next week. I'm going to give you the latest. I was up on Capitol Hill all day talking to sources. I'll tell you what they're saying up there, both sides of the aisle, and the coronavirus. The U.S. is now going to quarantine any Americans returning from where the area in China where the coronavirus was. So I'll we'll, we'll talk about that as well. Fresh market reaction off of that coronavirus news. Really, that's moving the markets, not impeachment. And we've got some uh, awesome journalism colleagues here who are going to walk us through it. Francesca Chambers, my buddy uh, over at McClatchy News. She's the White House correspondent. And Amanda Turkle, making her Bloomberg Radio sound on debut. She, of course, is the Washington Bureau Chief for the Huffington Post. So lots to get through with an all-star all-star group of journalists. Amanda, this is your Bloomberg Radio Sound On debut. It is. I'm
3: so excited.
2: Oh, great. Well, you know, I'm excited to have you here. And the Francesca Chambers, who literally, folks, was in the Bloomberg Bureau lobby pounding away on her keyboard as she files a story. She's the White House correspondent for McClatchy. Francesca, thanks for fitting us in. When it rains, it pours. When it rains, it pours. Yeah, I know. Tons of news. All right. I was on Capitol Hill all day as we tried to navigate through uh, this. uh, We've tried to navigate through the um, situation regarding the impeachment. Francesca, do me a favor and pull the microphone in front of your face just before we kick things off. And it looks like this vote now on the acquittal is going to happen mid next week. So we all thought it was going to come early tomorrow morning, but Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer have now been working behind the scenes – and now it looks like the vote, Amanda, is going to be next week. Is it going to be the day after the State of the Union on Tuesday? <laughs> or is it going to be on the State of the Union?
3: <laughs> uh, I mean, we'll see. I thought, I really thought this was all going to be over this week. We could all move on to focusing on what was going to be uh, happening in Iowa. But it looks like, you know. We will. This is going to drag into the next week. You know, it's going to be looming over State of the Union. Either you're going to have it that day, you're going to have it the day after. Either way, it provides a fascinating backdrop to whatever Trump's going to be saying.
2: It really is. I mean, White House officials gave a call earlier today to preview the president's State of the Union address. They say he's going to have an optimistic tone. He's going to talk about health care, redraw some of the political battle lines heading into an election year. But Francesca, I think every source that I talk to, and I'm curious if this meshes with with your reporting, they wanted this acquittal before the State of the Union, no?
4: They certainly wanted it before the State of the Union. What I heard from my sources at the White House was nobody wants to give a State of the Union when they're being tried in the Senate, but there was never any sort of a plan, if they thought that impeachment was going to still be happening, to ask Nancy Pelosi to delay it. And the Speaker's Uh, office had said, or Nancy Pelosi herself had said, rather, that unless the White House asked her to delay the speech, she wasn't planning to do that. So there was never any real chance that this speech wasn't going to be taking place next week, regardless.
2: I mean, just from the optics, you've got this situation now where House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, let's not forget, will be seated directly behind President Trump during that State of the Union address. So we'll get to see how the Democrats are reacting in real time during that address. Okay, so that's the the white house implications amanda what about the 2020 implications for this weekend i guess if they vote in the next hour or so uh to to as they're expected to on the senate floor to block witnesses does that mean that the and, and and the acquittal vote is wednesday does that mean that bernie and elizabeth warren and amy klobuchar can go to iowa tomorrow or do they still have to be here
3: Uh, Good question. I mean, I think you're going to see them trying to go out to Iowa as much as possible. Um, It certainly makes it harder for them to plan things out. And to, you know, that's why you're seeing over the weekend a lot of surrogates heading to Iowa and surrogate (laughs) events going around. But you know, I they want to wrap this up as quickly as possible. They want to they want to get out to Iowa and then obviously get on to New Hampshire because that you have that a week later.
2: Francesca, how is this going to play out for 2020? Oh man! You know, <laughs> Don't sound so down. Listen, uh, I'm packing tonight so I can go to Iowa tomorrow. I'm an optimist. I'm excited. I have good energy. You're over here bringing me like down a couple of matches. Come on, Francesca.
4: No, it's just, but it's been an incredibly long week, and for <laughs> yeah, and for, that's an
2: understatement. And for
4: them, and right, and you're just as you're noting for yourself, a lot of reporters in Washington too. This is this is like the never-ending week, right? Like everyone's gonna head to Iowa over the weekend. What weekend? That's not a weekend. It's, not it's just going to be rolling.
2: And that's nothing against Iowa. You know, no, I always say no, no, I was no. great this time of year. The people, <laughs> the, the burgers, the weather. The right? weather. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited. You know, get me a zombie burger. That we'll was have...
4: a sigh on the never-ending week. But yes, love some zombie, zombie burger. Love some Reagan. Where are you going to <laughs> Iowa, Francesca? Oh, I don't think I'll be going
2: to Iowa, unfortunately. Well, I thought I was struck by this. I was talking with my friend and colleague, Jennifer Jacobs, about this. Just the clout of folks who are... Over there from the administration, you know, I mean, just cabinet level officials, former cabinet level officials, top circuits they are flooding the zone, to use a football term, Francesca. Are they not?
4: Oh, absolutely. It's a very, very long list of, as you mentioned, but it's also people who are close to the administration, right. as I would put it. There's some There's some lawmakers, too, that have, by the way, they have no tie to Iowa whatsoever. They're just supporters of the president, but they're also leaders of what I... What I call conservative organizations who will also be in the state for him, just showing a really big, uh, showing a really big force. So it's funny again for all of us who have to stay here because of the state of the union being on Tuesday. Right. Apparently, everyone I cover will be in Iowa. Maybe I should have just went to Iowa. Kevin. Come to
2: Iowa. Well, my bags aren't technically packed. I've got some room. I'll climb on in. All right, cool. And then Amanda, what in terms of the twenty twenty front, though? I mean, the big story. We're going to cover this coming up as well. But Bernie really seems to be rising.
3: Yes. Bernie is doing incredibly well in Iowa. And I mean, it's really going to hinge on, a lot of it's going to hinge on the age of the electorate. Uh, You know, Bernie and Biden are looking like the two front runners right now, uh, if polls are correct. And you have Bernie who has this huge support from younger voters, from communities of color. And he is Banking on a lot of people coming out who aren't usually involved in the political process, who maybe haven't canvassed before. I was in Iowa about a week or two ago, and they had a canvassing, uh, a, a caucus training for uh, sort of communities of color. That was also a soccer tournament, so they were trying to reach totally new people <laughs> wow. from the Latino community, from the Nepalese community, from the Bosnian community. Biden, meanwhile, obviously does a lot well, does a lot better with older voters, and so. The age of the electorate could really tell us about uh, who comes out to caucus and then who ends up winning.
2: So smart, Amanda, Amanda Terkel, Huffington Post Washington Bureau Chief. So so smart. But wh- the soccer tournament, who won? <laughs> but for real, like, what did know. they do? Did it you was have really to-
3: hard to keep up with it. It was they were doing like short games. There were small teams, and one person, one team would get eliminated, and another one. I could not keep up. I know. I, I honestly. Oh, Amanda, you could keep up. I could keep up. I'm you, not you a soccer ch- person. Oh, uh, see, so I ready. am.
2: Put me in, coach. <laughs> I'm ready to go. And they did
3: it smartly. They did the caucus training first, then the soccer.
2: All right. Inter- yeah. Because, inter- you know, you could be some tough, lo- sore losers or some <laughs> cocky winners. You know, you never know. Coming up, panel stays. We're going to talk coronavirus. The seventh U.S. coronavirus case has now been confirmed by the CDC. I'm Kevin Cerilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 991.
1: You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Any U.S. citizen
3: returning to the United States who has been in Hubei province in the previous 14 days will be subject to up to 14 days of mandatory quarantine to ensure they've, they are provided proper medical care
2: and health screening. That was Secretary Alex Azar speaking earlier today about the situation as it relates to the quarantine virus. He, of course, is the Secretary of Health and Human Services and now saying that you will be quarantined. If you have coronavirus, my name is Kevin Cirilli. I'm the chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Amanda Turkle's here, Huffington Post Washington bureau chief, and Francesca Chambers, White House correspondent for McClatchy News. Amanda, I I spoke about this briefly when I interviewed earlier this week Jared Kushner, and he said that the administration is very much carefully watching over this situation I think that when you look at it from a market perspective, Amanda, the markets haven't blinked at all on the issue of impeachment, but they have been moving off of volatility worldwide based upon the coronavirus. Has, has the administration, based upon your reporting, done everything that they can do to ease some of the concerns as it relates to the uncertainty surrounding the co- coronavirus?
3: Well, I mean, you know, obviously when you have travel bans and it's affecting a country as large as China, uh, I think there's going to be concerns. But, you know, my my bigger concern is actually that there isn't an overreaction. And I don't know if I've heard enough from officials about this. You know, the, the CDC estimates that at least 10,000 people have died from the seasonal flu this season. That you know, that is so much more than the coronavirus has so far affected. And obviously, you know, the coronavirus needs to be taken seriously. But I think we need to put it into perspective. I also think that we're starting to hear troubling stories from around the country and in other countries. I, I saw a report in Canada of sort of racism and xenophobia popping up and people overreacting to this. So you know, I think uh, you know, making people aware of this, making sure that. Uh, you know, businesses and markets aren't spooked is important, but I think in well, the other markets way. are
2: spooked. I mean, I'm gonna, I mean, <laughs> but, I'm you know, I serious, think in the other way, aside. you
3: know, the other way, you know, you don't want an overreaction to this that affects people in a way that could be potentially racist or xenophobic.
2: Of course not. Okay, so let's let's unpackage this because you've raised so many good points. So, so many good points. You mentioned the flu, the actual flu. There's a headline on the Bloomberg Terminal written by my colleague Michelle Cortez. There's another virus stalking America. It's called the flu. While the world scrambles to contain the coronavirus, the U.S. flu season may be taking a turn for the worse. It's already killed 10,000 people. Ten thousand people, and that's a, uh, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention estimates that more than nineteen million Americans have fallen ill with the flu so far this season, including a hundred and eighty thousand people who have ended up in the hospital. Wow, wow! Sixty children of the ten thousand Americans who have died. That's scary numbers. Scary, scary numbers. But. Then we talk about the markets, Francesca. The S&P 500 index erased its 2020 gain, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average dropped more than 600 points as traders remained on edge over the impact of the disease that's now infected 10,000 people. Now we're talking about the coronavirus. You look at where the volatility is really spiking. It's Caterpillar plunging as the outlook trailed estimates, And Amazon soared after a blowout quarter. So we got some quarterly earnings reports. But again, this really shows, and I think to Amanda's point, it's it's important not to overreact. I hear you on that. But it's also important to note just the glaring volatility that this shows and the concern from businesses worldwide that something like this that is so uncontrollable from popping up really could inject volatility into global commerce.
4: But it's also understandable from the standpoint that earlier this week, we heard the White House saying that there were only three thousand people who had been affected, and that there were five people in the United States um, that they had known who had this virus. And just from those numbers that you just outlined, there it just shows how quickly that it's spread within the United States. And you referred to uh, what the steps that the administration is taking to try and contain it. That shows that they're taking it really quite seriously as they need to be in order to, to stop that. So I think it will also depend on several other factors, the ma- the, the markets on Monday as, as they uh, reopen, but certainly that'll be one of the main factors.
2: So you also have, Amanda, in terms of China markets, investors in China are going to get their first chance to, to trade since January 23rd when the financial markets reopened in China on Monday. So that could have some new economic data. But from a political response, Amanda, what are you hearing from Capitol Hill, in law, from lawmakers in both parties, as well as from the White House?
3: <laughs> um, on Capitol Hill, I'm, uh, if I'm being honest, I'm not hearing. A, yeah, I'm not hearing much on the
2: coronavirus, no. <laughs> which mostly... we laugh about. But you know, in other, it, should there if there wasn't an impeachment trial, we we would all be talking about this. But go ahead. Right,
3: right. I think if there weren't the impeachment trial, there would be hearings. We would be hearing a lot more. Yeah. Obviously, some lawmakers have put out statements, but you know, there is concern about this, and there is concern about its spread. But I do think that more than I have in other epidemics or potential epidemics, Know that people are urging caution and not overreacting.
2: Yeah, but in terms of I, I, I'm I'm struck by this, Francesca, that I actually think the president's going to have to make note of this in a State of the Union address, and he hasn't named a czar yet, which Obama did for the mm-hmm. during his term, right. but he, we haven't seen a czar named. That's Maybe we great. should have a flu czar. Now that I'm, I'm still back on the flu, ten thousand deaths. That's that's it's staggering. crazy. When I heard that number, I couldn't believe it was so I, many. I, neither can I. I mean, I you know you hear these stories, you read about them in the local papers about. But anyway, I'm surprised that there isn't a czar. I'm surprised that the flu isn't more in the limelight, Francesca. And we didn't
4: really get a lot of clarity today on whether the president would mention that in State of the Union. Frankly, we didn't get a lot of clarity on other anything the president would talk about in the State of the <laughs> Union. They hold that pretty close to the chest, and they're doing so today, a senior administration official only telling us that the president will give an optimistic yeah. Message that will compare to the pessimism that the administration says that they have seen on Capitol Hill. And there are some other issues he plans to to bring up as well. I wrote today about paid family leave and how he plans to bring that Ivanka's up. Ivanka's big win. It is something that it, they can. she considers a big win and the White House considers a big win. the defense spending legislation that passed in December that now provides 12 weeks of paid leave to all federal workers. And that's something that the administration would like to see applied to the private sector.
2: Just quickly to wrap this up, I'm going to put this question to both of you. We're we going to get a czar or no? <laughs> the silence is deafening.
4: You're asking me to predict what President Trump is going to do. Point taken.
2: I- what do you think? Amanda, uh,
3: I'm gonna. I'll go with no.
2: I'm gonna go with yes. <laughs> I think event, and I think it might actually be a flu czar.
3: And I, 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 if if there is something, if if the coronavirus becomes a bigger thing, yes, because there's so much attention. Clearly, the it. administration
4: is taking it seriously, right. in that we had an on-camera briefing at the White House today to talk about this. Plus,
2: he pays attention to the stock market, and I'm telling you, that's right. The volatility <laughs> in the markets over this is truthfully, truthfully. Significant. Coming up, more policy and politics. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg
0: 99.1. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at Forum.com.
1: You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2.
2: Matt Kearney, I'm telling you, is one of the most underrated musical artists of the millennium. Of the millennium. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Francesca Chambers agrees with me. She's the White House Correspondent for McClatchy. Do you think he's the most underrated musical artist of the millennium? No comment. Do you know who he is? No,
3: I'm sorry.
2: Amanda, no one knows who he is. I have S- never. S- I have no Amanda idea. Amanda Turkel, <laughs> Huffington Post, Washington bureau chief. I gotta say that I always check HuffPo and Judge Report, but like throughout the day to see. I'm like, what are they leading with? I love that banner. So what's the HuffPo banner right now, Amanda?
3: I don't know. I Amanda's guess it's in this impeachment. Radio interview. All right, appreciate. It. <laughs> hey, I
2: appreciate the honesty. Let's.
3: It's, it 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 is about John Bolton. Oh. I love the splash. It's so great. What does it say? It says, new Bolton bomb drops as GOP boxes him out.
2: Oh, what's mm. the bomb?
3: It's the, it's the new book revelation that uh, Donald Trump was trying to get John Bolton to join his pressure campaign against Ukraine earlier than everyone thought.
2: Wow. More revelations
3: from Bolton's book, but he will not be going before the Senate. No, he's not like. going to be testifying.
2: <laughs> he is not going to be testifying, but we still don't know in that trial. Is going to happen. Super Bowl plans. Ladies, where are you watching it?
4: I'll be watching it from home, but I will definitely be watching this year because the Kansas City Chiefs are playing. I'm not, I,
2: I don't want Andy Reid to win.
4: It's my hometown team. Oh, so Francesca, I've I'm gotta, sorry. So I've got to root for the Chiefs. I also have a big bet going on this game. With I don't the know colleagues. if you want to say this on air. I do because you have to understand, so McClatchy, where I work, we, we own the Sacramento Bee. Oh. We own the Kansas City Star. Oh. And we also own the Miami Herald. Wow. So we have the trifecta (laughs) of the Super Bowl. (laughs) So we have a number of bets going in the office, and I have a lot riding on the Chiefs win right now. What do you have riding? Boulevard beer.
2: Okay, it's ba- <laughs> Boulevard
4: is based in Kansas City, so that's what I'll owe if I lose.
2: But I, just I will don't get
4: like, California wine if I win.
2: I just don't like. Uh, I just don't like Andy Reid because he couldn't win a Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. So I'm rooting for the Niners. And now, headline crossing the Bloomberg terminal as we speak. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says the Senate will now vote on a motion for witnesses. We're going to track that, uh, but obviously. Uh, We also are getting another headline, Uh, the Ukraine ambassador for the United States, Marie Yovanovitch. She plans to retire from the State Department effective today. Wow. Okay, so some developments that we're going to be tracking once we get the vote tally from the Senate floor. I'm going to bring that to you in real time. But again, we're anticipating that there will not be enough votes for witnesses. Uh, Let's talk 2020. Let's just stay with this, Amanda. And dive into the – who needs to perform well? Forget about Bernie and Biden for a second, but who are the lower-tier candidates? The Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, those folks. What do they have to do in Iowa early – or on Monday in order to kind of make the case that they should still be in the race?
3: I think Iowa is do or die for Amy Klobuchar. Really? If she can't win Iowa – Like, why is she in the race? You know, her whole pitch is that she can reach some of those heartland voters, maybe folks who like Donald Trump more. But if she can't even win in Iowa, which is a state that's, you know, right in her backyard, I think it's very, very hard for her to make a case to stay
2: in. Francesca, do you agree with that?
4: Oh, yeah, 100%. I think that that's uh, very tough. Here's the other thing, too. Depending on who wins in Iowa, like Pete Buttigieg, I think it's also maybe a little do or die for him. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't uh, place honestly in the, the top two... If he's in even three or four, that makes it really hard for him going into New Hampshire, where Bernie Sanders is the favorite. And we already know that South Carolina, he's had some struggles there. Pete Buttigieg has. And so, right? And if you don't, you know, you're not first or second or even third in the the first three states. Where do you go from there? If you're relying on Super Tuesday, then... um, you know, there's some other folks who could who could come into the race who could shake it up as well. So
3: yeah, I mean, Iowa's Buttigieg's best chance, and if yeah, like you said, if he can't do it there, you know, Warren obviously is banking a lot on New Hampshire because that's in her backyard. So, uh, you know, she should probably perform there. She's already looking back past these early states, so she's going to stay in. She has the money, um, and like you said, I mean, Buttigieg, he's doing so poorly with black voters, so. You know, if I didn't exactly do well, say that, no, but. <laughs> but he's been having a struggle. Maybe I was referring to South Carolina. and his South struggles Carolina. there.
2: <laughs> wow, but
3: he is doing poorly, uh, and you know, Iowa his best chance. And then, he, you know, he is polling so far below where he's polling nationally with black voters. He's at one percent or less, basically, Mm -hmm. and so he needs to really change that if he wants to stay in for South Carolina.
2: I'm struck by Senator Elizabeth Warren. She debuted a a host of new ads today, Francesca calling, describing herself as a unity candidate. I'm really struck that Bernie was able to eclipse her, at least for now.
4: Well, Bernie Sanders, though, has positioned himself as the person best able to beat Trump, and there are a number of Democrats who say that that was, that is, the first thing that they're looking for this cycle certainly they're they're looking for a lot of other things but the ability to beat donald trump is very important to many democrats heading into the caucuses and the primaries and so bernie sanders as he pushes that message has started to pick up some some steam and some support but but again even for bernie sanders he's very organized in iowa he's very organized in new hampshire he almost won in iowa before he won in new hampshire His supporters before.
2: feel that they did win in iowa but go ahead
4: but 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 I'm what I'm saying no, is I agree with you. As if he can't again, speaking of cracking the top two, arguably if Bernie Sanders finishes third or fourth in, in mm-hmm. either of those dates, certainly he'll stay in. I mean he has the resources, he has the money to stay in as long as he wants, but that would be You know what th- else he has?
2: He has something else, Amanda, I'm interested in your take on this. He has something else. He has the infrastructure and the experience of having navigated through a democratic primary before,
3: right? I mean, he's leading a movement. He's really yeah. the only candidate in the race right now, you know, on the Democratic side who can say that, and that—that that matters. Like he has die-hard supporters, and well,
2: can we can we unpackage that? Let me let me just leading a movement. It's one thing to say it; it's another thing to actually have the infrastructure to mm-hmm. do it. Warren's campaign would, would say that she's doing the same thing. Biden's campaign would say that they're doing the same thing. But what you just said, why is Bernie Sanders different, at least at this particular juncture in the race, Amanda?
3: I think what you would have Bernie people say is that he's bringing people into the process who would not be there except for Bernie Sanders. So Cardi Bernie, B, every on So if Bernie is strokes. not the nominee, <laughs> many of those people... They might not vote for the eventual Democratic nominee. They might not vote in the general election. Um, and I think that worries a lot of Democrats, too, of if Bernie doesn't get it, what is he going to do to make sure all his supporters support whoever it is, if it's Joe but Biden? But, Kevin, to
4: your point, and perhaps making it an artfully before, he does have the infrastructure and the resources. Yeah. So what I was saying is that if he doesn't finish in the top two in Iowa, oh. in Iowa or New Hampshire, that that's a really, really bad look for him. It's Because he has no excuse. it's the has, way very high you know, it's the There's weight. No excuse.
2: Let me ask you about this, Francesca Chambers, White House correspondent for McClatchy News. It's the weight of expectations. And it, how does he now that now that the expectations are that he have such a strong showing? How does he navigate through that? And one source who who works for a different campaign,
4: that's not Bernie Sanders,
2: has said that
4: he had four years, right? Between the last time when he knew he was going to run for president again to build his operation up even better than he did last time when he performed so well unexpectedly. So if he doesn't do as well this time, Kevin, it's going to be a tough haul for him after those those first few states.
3: And I mean, what's remarkable about Bernie, too, is no one ever talks. The heart attack issue is basically gone. You don't hear anyone talking about that anymore. He seems to have overcome it because after Uh, the heart attack, he got this surge of momentum from high-profile endorsements, AOC, Ilhan Omar, uh, the Sunrise Movement. Cardi these, B. Cardi, Cardi B, I think, was with him before, maybe?
2: I'm always going <laughs> to... Cardi B! I mean, anytime you can talk about Cardi go ahead, I'll stop.
3: <laughs> he has a lot of musicians, actually, behind him. But he anyway, does! He does. He's having a concert with The Strokes, I think, in New Hampshire. Taylor
2: Swift, by the way, has that, that continuing feud, not with Kanye, but with Marsha Blackburn. Go ahead.
3: That's right. <laughs> and her documentary's coming yeah. out. Uh, but anyway, Bernie... Oh, anyway, he has really sort of gotten the movement, the progressive movement, to coalesce around him.
2: All right, breaking news red headline crossing the Bloomberg terminal. The Senate Republicans have blocked calling new witnesses in the Trump trial. Again, the Republicans in the Senate now have enough votes to block calling witnesses in the Senate impeachment trial. That would set up an acquittal vote sometime over the next four to five days, as early as. In the next 12 hours, as late as what we're gathering from my reporting, Wednesday, the day after the State of the Union address. Much more politics and policy and analysis with Amanda Turkle of the Huffington Post and Francesca Chambers of McClatchy News. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.
1: You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2.
2: I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. My panelists are Francesca Chambers, White House Correspondent for McClatchy, who just told me, oh, I want to talk about this thing, but I haven't published it yet because she's always firing out scoops, Francesca. So now I'm like, when is when are you going to file that story so I can know what just what you beat me on?
4: <laughs> I know. It's going to be really exciting. I've got some good stuff dropping on Monday and Tuesday. But don't worry. I, I actually do have something else I want to talk about All right, about right great. Now. Well,
2: we can talk about it in a little bit. <laughs> okay, Amanda good. Turkle's here, Huffington Post, Washington Bureau Chief. Amanda, this is your first time on the program. Thanks so much for, for, uh, for joining me. And we do this thing now where I ask the panelists for something that's on their radar. I want their a quick take for what's on their radar. Their quick take for what's on their radar. So, Francesca, I'm going to start with you. What's your quick take today?
4: Okay. It's not a policy thing. Good. You can quick take a breather. Take, my quick take is this presidential race is going to the dogs. What? <laughs> I've been waiting all week to use that on the show, by the way. Um, oh, boy. Everyone is talking about their dogs. Now, one <laughs> candidate has an ad out with a dog, one candidate is Campaigning with their dog, like it's my dog's first time in Iowa, and and people are eating it up and they're loving it. It reminds me of Newt Gingrich when he ran. Okay, but well, he had pets with Newt. Guys. Oh, he
3: loved zoos. He loved zoos.
4: Yeah.
2: Okay, wait. So I what know. are you? I know what you're talking about, but I need you to explain for our loyal listeners what exactly you're talking about.
4: I'm I'm serious, like actual dogs.
2: Who has the dogs? Who has the dogs? Who let the dogs out. Who let the dogs out? Uh,
4: Elizabeth Warren is campaigning. Belly. With her dog Bailey. Bailey on the campaign trail, Pete Buttigieg has a whole pets thing going on with dogs as well, maybe some cats. I'm a little confused. Um, and then there's another candidate who's running an ad, as I noted, about pets right now.
2: Michael Bloomberg, uh, who may or may not, not rhyme with to the, Bloomberg. To the, you can say it. <laughs> I mean, say it. Michael there's, Bloomberg is running an ad. And he like grabbed onto a dog's mouth.
4: Snout, yes. snout. One time. See, okay. So, so my dog, parents, dog, and I guess as it, a yeah. disclaimer, I should say,
2: I don't. This is my disclaimer. My parents didn't let me have a dog. I'm kidding. Michael Bloomberg, the founder and majority owner of Bloomberg News parent, com, uh, Michael Bloomberg, the founder and majority owner of Bloomberg News parent company, Bloomberg LP. As uh, I'm reading the wrong disclaimer. Uh, he is the founder and majority owner of Bloomberg LP, the parent company of Bloomberg News, and he's running for president. Okay, that said, my parents didn't let me have a job, Amanda Terkel, and so A dog. A dog. And so <laughs> <laughs> they do let me have a job. And uh, <laughs> Christine Murat is laughing in our group chat. That said, I is it weird to grab a snout of a dog? Yes, it is. Okay. It's really weird.
3: You're supposed to pet a dog uh you know it's it's just it's i don't know if it's as weird as how trump always talks about dogs he always says everything is like a dog trump if doesn't have a dog does he no he doesn't like animals at all uh he does not there is no presidential pet uh and you know my pet is dog. bunny aside but uh but you know like now bloomberg has like this video out about like how dogs love mike but i think there was like an old new york times story about how he doesn't even really like dogs I don't I think, so. I I don't like think dogs. he likes dogs very much. All
2: right, so that's what's on your radar, dogs. Happy Friday, folks. Okay, Amanda, what's on your radar? What's oh, your quick take? so much more
3: serious. Uh, so in the we past, can, week, that's okay. That's okay.
2: <laughs> we can have a, a
3: good mix. In the past week, uh, the governor of Tennessee signed uh, a law allowing state adoption age, uh, sorry, adoption agencies in the state to deny uh, adoptions to same-sex couples if it violates their religious beliefs. They won't lose their license. They won't lose access to funding. Um, and, you know, obviously there are a lot of folks in the state, uh, LGBT activists, a lot of companies who were opposed to this.
2: So what does it mean for a, a couple who is trying to adopt in, in Tennessee?
3: They would have to go somewhere else. Um, and you know, that sounds easy. It's not always easy. That's not like there Doesn't are a million adoption agencies out there. Um, you know, you could go through a process and, it's you know, I am speaking this as someone who was adopted uh, when I was very young and so, you know. Kids need homes. The process for parents is very tough to find a child who's right for them and a child that's available. Um, and so, you know, this comes after the Trump administration also proposed a rule in the fall that would allow these faith based adoption agencies to deny same sex couples and not lose federal funding.
2: So, Republican Governor Bill Lee has signed this law into effect. I would imagine that this will end up in the courts. Yeah,
3: I would I would think so. Um, And, you know, obviously, um, you know, LGBT groups have pushed for uh, more protections for same sex couples for quite some time that, you know, a lot of that movement, I think, has stalled significantly during the Trump administration.
2: All right. So what's on my radar? Brexit. Let's go across the pond, as they say. Reading from the Bloomberg Terminal by Ian Wishart. When the sun goes down on Friday night, British government buildings around Europe will lower the blue and yellow starred flag of the European Union for the final time. A few hours later on the stroke of midnight in Paris, Berlin and Brussels, the UK will leave the bloc after 47 years. Wow. So, I mean, what are you hearing from the White House, Francesca, in terms of how they've been communicating with with Bojo?
4: Well, the president. Boris Johnson. The president of the United States has been communicating with him by phone frequently i mean they're always sending out statements about how the two are talking on the phone much more frequently than i would say pretty much any other world leader they're 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 contacting each other a lot on the phone and they aren't really telling us all the time what they're talking about it's it's not just brexit these are pretty vague statements well huawei
2: i mean for one i mean you've got the situation now or earlier this week uh you've got the the brits saying that they're going to do the deal with huawei as it relates to china they didn't like the, the White House didn't like that very much, Francesca.
4: But generally speaking, the White House statements about what happened on these phone calls are pretty vague and they don't say how long the phone call lasted. We just really don't
3: have any idea.
2: OK, Amanda.
3: Uh, I mean, I will admit, I am not following Brexit as much as everyone else because it's not happening in Iowa or New Hampshire. Uh, <laughs> but I was struck by the European leaders holding hands and singing "Auld Lang Syne." That was so strange. Wait, why? I missed this.
2: I didn't know they were singing. I was, I was. They why, did. Why did they do that? To say goodbye. Okay. <laughs> What a weird because week in geopolitics. It was really weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, okay, let's just now, uh, we got a couple minutes left and let's just catch everybody up to speed. The Mitch McConnell says that the Senate trial is going to be ending in the coming days. This is just within the last 15 minutes. The Senate now has voted to block witnesses along a largely party-line vote that they will block witnesses from being able to testify in the Senate impeachment trial. This puts the acquittal process happening sometime with uh, between now and Wednesday. I mean, any parting thoughts as it relates to the acquittal vote?
3: I've just been struck by how many GOP senators have said, like, look, yeah, sure, it looks like Trump did all this, but it's not impeachable and we shouldn't get rid of him. They're admitting that it's bad what he did, but they're still saying... You know, we don't think he should be thrown out of office. And I've just found those statements pretty remarkable. But see,
2: when I talk to Republicans, and again, and I say this, I'm not trying to debate you. I mean, I'm, I, But when I talk to Republicans, I mean, they have been incredibly frustrated at how Democrats conducted themselves. They've been incredibly frustrated, at Francesca Chambers, with Adam Schiff in particular. And so it just seems that even from the get go, this was such an incredibly polarized, polarized uh, situation, for lack of a better word.
4: Yeah. And, and people who are on the president's impeachment team, i.e. those Republican lawmakers in the House of Representatives who weren't arguing on the floor, but were on Twitter, their primary role seemed to be going on television and sharing with the American public, like, for lack of a better term, like being the president's spirit animals, so to speak. Right. They're they're just like very frustrated and sharing what, what they called was an unfair process and why they believe that. And none of that really came down right specifically to the arguments that were happening on the show. All floor. right.
2: I want to thank Amanda Circle. Would you come back on the show?
4: Yes. Anytime.
2: Appreciate that. Okay. You heard it there first. Huffington Post, Washington Bureau chief, Francesca Chambers, White House correspondent from McClatchy. Would you come back?
4: I was going to say, are you not inviting me? You're always,
2: <laughs> both of you are always welcome. And just to, just to put a, an end note on this 51 to 49 vote, uh, of regarding the witnesses, Susan Collins and Mitt Romney were the two folks who voted, uh, to have witnesses only two and they needed four. It's Susan Collins and Mitt Romney. Uh, Watch the Super Bowl on Sunday, everybody, and go 49ers, all right? And (laughs) what else did I want to say? Thank you for listening. I'm Kevin Cirilli. See you in Iowa. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.
0: The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg.